today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Think of the majesty, the might, the power again of our universe the greatness, the grandeur of all of that. Thinking and understanding and knowing that our God is so much greater to the point that once our solar system is placed within our galaxy, placed within the universe, we're we're nothing. Do you understand that? We are nothing compared to the greatness and the grandeur. And yet the greatness of God's love for us. And Mary says, wow, you've thought of me. You've regarded me in the midst of all of this. Trying to comprehend the greatness and grandeur of our solar system, let alone the cosmos, is quite the challenge. The number of stars alone comes to a staggering count that surpasses human comprehension by far. Even if we are able to comprehend these figures, there's one element that trumps them all. In today's message, Pastor David reflects on God's mindfulness of mankind. In our study, Pastor David emphasizes just how incredible it is that out of all His glory and greatness, God has His mindset on our salvation. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, He Has Regarded Us. Beloved, it's amazing to me that the grandeur, the greatness, the majesty, the might, the power, the awesomeness of who God is, and you and I need to remember, He has us in mind. He thinks about you. He cares about you personally. He desires for you to know Him He cares enough about you that the Word of God says He knows the very numbers on our head. He knows the days of of our existence. He knows everything about us. That's the might. That's the power of God. And God, the greatness, the majesty of all that He is, sent an angel, the angel Gabriel, to Mary with that message that you are going to be the one who is bearing the Christ child. And you remember how we finished up last week, that Mary declared, be it to me according to your word. Be it to me according to your word. Or as you wish, for those of you that do remember last week. And then the word says, and then the angel left. The angel departed from her. Now we are still in chapter 1 of Luke. We're now in verse 39. We pick up the story here. As soon as Gabriel left, we don't know for sure how long it was between verse 38 and 39, but listen to the words of verse 39. It says, now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. In other words, she was excited to leave. I believe that 
uh, it was probably only a day or so after Gabriel left, Mary gathered her things together, let her parents know where she was going, and headed off to Zacharias and Elizabeth's house. She went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Don't know for sure which city in Judah that was, probably only a day or so's journey for a young maid to take that kind of a, a journey on her own. But I believe that as she was traveling, her head was spinning because the angel not only told her that her cousin, well, let's just call her her cousin. The word says she's a close relative, so we'll go with the idea that she's a cousin, that the angel had told her that your cousin, who was well advanced in age, is now with child. And as a matter of fact, it's now in the sixth month of her pregnancy. And so Mary is overwhelmed by that, plus the message of the angel to her. Oh, and by the way, Mary, you're going to have a child, and that child will be the Messiah. And all that's going through Mary's head as she rushes on to Elizabeth's house. And she came into the house, and she greeted Elizabeth, now in her six months of pregnancy. Verse 41 says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. As these two women met, the power of God, I believe, was felt so powerfully, so majestically, not only in these two women's lives, but also in that young baby still in Elizabeth's womb. The baby moving during this time of pregnancy, that, that's not uncommon, it's not unnatural, but the very timing of the fact that as soon as Mary gave the greeting, that baby moved to an amount that Elizabeth felt it. And she knew that something exciting was going on. As that baby jumped inside of his mother, Elizabeth herself it was filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, a supernatural move of God filled and immersed her in his presence, in his power, and then she spoke in what could have only been, only can be explained as a word of prophecy. The Lord is going to fill her with the Holy Spirit, then she's going to speak a word of prophecy. Look at verse 42. Then she, meaning Elizabeth, she spoke with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? At this point in the dialogue between these two women, nothing that we read here has been said that Mary was pregnant. Suddenly Mary came in, gave the greeting, the baby leaped inside of her. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she began speaking this thing, blessed are you among women. And blessed is what? the fruit of your womb. How did Elizabeth know that? I believe, again, the Holy Spirit giving that gift of prophecy that she made this declaration. Mary probably doesn't even know that it's taken place yet at this point. She, all she knows is Gabriel says, you will, that this will happen to you. And now Elizabeth makes this confirmation. And it's not blessed will be the fruit of your womb. No, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Again, only days since the visit of the angel, 
and his message to Mary. And now here, Elizabeth, she's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And she spoke that twofold prophetic message to Mary. Mary, you are with child, and also the very fact you are carrying the Messiah, my Lord. Elizabeth says, why would it be granted to me that the mother of what? My Lord should come to me. So a twofold prophetic message that's given. Again, only by the empowering, only by the gifting of the Holy Spirit of God could Elizabeth have known either one of these things. And she confirms that declaration by sharing with Mary what happened to her as soon as Mary entered into the house. Elizabeth continuing on here in verse 44. She says, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. But Elizabeth's not finished yet. She continues on with these words of prophecy. Verse 45. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. Elizabeth understood what it meant to believe God. She had a very real, a very practical lesson about the difference between believing and doubting because she's married to Zacharias who for the last six months hasn't been able to say a word. Why? Because he doubted. He says, hey, how do I know this is all going to happen? And the angel said, because I'm Gabriel. And because you doubt, Zacharias, you're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to speak until after this child is born. Elizabeth knows the difference between one that would doubt and one who believes. And prophetically, she even declares, blessed is she, Mary, who believed, because these things are going to take place. There's gonna be a fulfillment of those things that the Lord spoke to you about. Elizabeth understood these things, and at this point, Mary, I believe, is overwhelmed, again, by the work, by the movement, by the power of God in that room. I believe that you, if, if you and I were present in that room where these two women met, we would be overwhelmed by the presence and the power and the majesty and the might of Almighty God. And so Mary here, she breaks out with a song of praise, a song of worship. It's what's called the, the, the Magnificat. And that comes from the Latin word that says glorifies. So where it says here, my soul magnifies or glorifies the Lord, that's where they get, they, they've named this song. It's filled with a form of poetry that we find in the Psalms. It's filled with, with portions of Old Testament declarations that have been made by the prophets and made by the poets of the Old Testament. She speaks it in a way that kind of reminds us of Hannah's song in, in, in reference to uh, Samuel as she brings Samuel and, and blesses him because of what God has done. But yet there's a, there's a sweetness about Mary's song that's a little bit different than Hannah's in your own time, not this morning, not while I'm preaching, please don't do this. Uh, go back and look in 1 Samuel and read Hannah's song and compare that here in chapter one of Luke to Mary's song. You see a lot of similarities but you do see some differences. Mary begins with these words of absolute amazement and praise that God would honor her by allowing her to be the one who bears Messiah. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies or glorifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. And catch verse 48, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. Now pause here just for a moment. 
And think of the majesty, the might, the power again of our universe, the greatness, the grandeur of all of that. And thinking and understanding and knowing that our God is so much greater to the point that once our solar system is placed within our galaxy, placed within the universe, we're, we're nothing. Do you understand that? We are nothing compared to the greatness and the grandeur. And yet the greatness of God's love for us. And Mary says, wow, you, you've thought of me. You've regarded me in the midst of all of this. But she goes on. She says, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. There's one other thing I want you to make sure and catch. Did you catch the point, catch the fact that Mary understood that she needed a Savior? She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in what? In who? In God my Savior. You see, Mary needed a Savior. Mary was a blessed woman. There's no doubt about it. We touched on that last week. She was a unique woman. She was one that God was going to use in a mighty and a powerful way. But at the same time, she still needed a Savior. John Bingle, a a writer of New Testament commentaries from years ago, wrote these words, Mary, by this word that she speaks, reckons herself among that which was lost. And she obtained salvation, not from herself, but from Jesus, understanding and knowing that this child that she is bearing would one day become, as Messiah, the sacrifice for the people. In the vastness and the majesty of Almighty God, he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. The one who is mighty and has done great things for me is what she speaks about. It's who she speaks about. She moves on then in this hymn of worship and praise, speaking about God's mighty deeds, his wondrous acts. Listen to the beauty of her worship as she's just declaring these things before the Lord. Verse 51, she continues, that he, that God has shown strength in his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Guys, I believe that Mary had such a vast understanding of God of who he was and how great his strength was, how powerful his hand was. But you know what? I, Mary did not have any clue as to how far the sun was from the earth. But she knew that her God was greater. Mary didn't know the distance of the galaxies from one to the other, but I believe that in Mary's heart, she was assured that the power and the might of her God extended beyond them all. And although Mary didn't understand the the expanse and the, the vastness of our universe, she knew that the God that spoke them all into place still cared for her in the midst of the great expanse of all that God is. He cares about you also. 
He knows your name. He knows your frame. He knows everything about you. And for some of us, we can say, and he loves me anyway. And he loves me anyway. In the midst of all of these things. Even Elizabeth. Did you catch the words of Elizabeth a little bit earlier? Elizabeth, back in verse 43, she says, but why is this granted to me? You see, she had this understanding of humility within her own life and the greatness and the majesty of God, that God in his majesty, God in his immensity, that he would care about her. Elizabeth realized as great as God was, God in his infinite wisdom, his grace, and his mercy, he granted or he allowed her to be the one who would carry the forerunner, the spokesman for the Messiah, and that here and now the mother of Messiah was honoring her by coming and visiting her at this point in time. So let me ask you this question this morning. Even after all that we spoke this morning, that's, that's all head knowledge. Let me ask you this morning, heart knowledge for you. How big is your God? How big is your God, the one that you believe is real and true? How vast is he in, in, in the greatest of all of your imaginations? How vast and large and mighty and powerful is he? I could ask you this morning, think with me for a moment of eternity past. Go with me to eternity past. No, you've got to go further than that. No, you've got to go further than that. No, no, you've got to even go further. As a matter of fact, you and I in our limited mortality, in our limited brain capacity, we can't even imagine eternity because it's greater than that. Even if we were stretched beyond anything that we could even, no, it's greater than that. Of all the times that I've read these verses in my life as a believer and all the times that I've been in Bible studies and even all the times that I've, I've preached these verses as a pastor or as a Bible study teacher, this time as, as I've read this and as I've studied this, it's probably impressed me more than any other thing, this twofold connection between the immensity of God and yet his attention to the smallest details of each one of our lives. And guys, that just kind of blows me away. And it, it's impacting me even as we're studying and reading the book of Revelation. Again, just the greatness of God, the majesty of, of heaven, the, the glory, the splendor that's there. And we're going to be able to experience that. The greatness and the majesty and the might and the power. And I run out of adjectives to be able to describe who God is. And yet in all of that, he cares for you. He cares for that event that happened to you just this past week. He cares for, about those words that were spoken to you or perhaps even by you this week. He cares about the heartbreak that you have. He cares about the worries and the concerns that you have. And he cares enough about your mortal soul that he sent his son 
out of the greatness and the grandeur and the majesty of all of heaven to this little corn kernel size of a planet, to this little city in this little country, to this little young maid to be born in order that he might live and grow to die for your sin and for mine, for the sin of the world, for whoever would call upon its name. The same God that spoke the planets and the solar systems and the stars and the galaxies and the universe into existence, that's the same God that formed the complexity of the DNA that's within each one of us. And you may have an identical twin, I don't know. I know that it, they say in life all, all of us have a twin someplace, somebody that looks like us. Uh, woe be unto that one. But anyway, our DNA is totally different. Your children's DNA is different than yours. As a matter of fact, do me, do me a favor this morning. Do this little exercise with me. Don't worry about embarrassing yourself. This is just between you and me, okay? Hold your hand up like this with your fingers outspread, okay? Just Now, turn it around and take a look at those fingerprints. You realize that not a one of those is alike. Not a one. If you held the other hand up, not a one of these is like any of these. As a matter of fact, none of your fingerprints are like any of yours. Your fingerprints are separate and different than anybody else's in this room. Okay, then in this state. Okay, then in this nation. Okay, then in this world. Your fingerprints are unique unto you not only of this world, but of those that have lived before you and those that will live after you. That's the uniqueness of your fingerprints. But you want to know something even cooler? Your eye, right now in all the security things, it's not your fingerprints they're worried about. They want you to look into a thing. And, and they, they, they look at the, the retina of your eye and they say, no, your eye, there, there's even greater distinctions and differences in your eye than anyone else who has ever lived or who ever will live. Now, we didn't evolve out of the goo. It was an intelligent design. Our God designed us and purposed us, and he purposed us unique unto himself. In order that we wouldn't get lost in the crowd, he knows us. I was speaking to someone earlier this morning because I'm going to be taking my grandson into New York City near the, the end of this month. And I told Todd that I'm going to, I'm, uh, the poor kid's hand is going to be squished by the time we're finished walking around in New York City because I don't want to lose him. And uh, he says, hey, you can get those little trackers and you can put it in his pocket and on your cell phone. You can find out where he's at within something like 10 feet of him. Now, I'm, I may have to buy one of those just for this trip. Why? Because I might lose him in a crowd. But you know what? God will never, God will never ever lose you and I in a crowd. He knows us. He's concerned about us. He sent Christ to die for us. The splendor and the majesty and the greatness and the might and the power of all that God is. And yet he will not lose you. In fact, he sent Christ to die for you. And he's intimately aware of the situations of your life. And he desires to walk with you 
in the midst of those things. We can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us more.